This podcast is brought to you by the badasses over at Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Drown ideology in beer. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. All right, everybody, it is time for another Drink of Ages radio show. I am your host, John Denman, DJ Muskrash, the producer, hanging out. He's going to be spinning all the badass music you hear throughout the show. want to welcome everybody. hope everybody is drinking some good beers. Uh, we, at the moment, have a lot of really good beers in front of us that we'll be talking about a little while later. Sampling some nice Bohemian Pilsner that we'll get into with our show sponsor this week, which happens to be our guest, uh, this episode of Drink of Ages is brewed up by Bell's Brewery out of Kalamazoo, Michigan, now distributing in Texas, which is exciting for everybody. And they have brought down a pretty solid lineup of beers that we will be discussing with the head honcho himself, who is sitting across the table from me. And this week's guest from Bell's Brewery, we have Larry Bell hanging out. Hi, how you doing? I know that was a... That was a Pretty short and long introduction to get to this, but welcome to Drink of Ages, Larry. All right, thanks. Great to be here. Uh, welcome. Well, at the same time, welcome to Houston because uh, my first trip to Houston. We have been we've been expecting you and waiting on you. I'm not going to lie for a few years now. Well, I, we've been trying to put it together to get down here. It's uh, you know Texas is a big state, and you certainly don't want to come say, well, you know what. We're just going to start and do Dallas, and then maybe when we have more beer, we'll do Houston. That's really not how you want to come to Texas. That, that be, people will start fighting if yeah. you start doing that. You I know, mean, it causes almost riots. Everything in Texas is big, and when you come here, you gotta come in a big way. Make sure you got enough beer for everybody, and and let's do the whole state right. You know, we got we got bells. We got fifty-two people in the great state of Texas uh, as I speak, covering everywhere. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I mean to to accomplish Texas. I mean, I bet. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty giant business plan. It it is, and that's why it took us a few years to get here. We had to fill in some some territory. Again, you don't want to. I don't know how you feel about it, but we didn't want to have to skip over Arkansas and Louisiana and have them go what. Um, and also, it gave us practice to roll out some new states, so that when we came to Texas, we had little bit more experience because uh, we really hadn't taken on a whole lot of new geography and then we knew we were coming to Texas so we practiced on some some other states first you know we Nebraska Start small work your way up Nebraska Kansas bit. Arkansas okay how's this go all right we're ready for Texas bring it on I think the first time that I had your beers and I don't know exactly what year it was but it was in Florida and that's where yeah. I had the two-hearted L and quickly fell in love with that beer. Uh, looks like we have a little bit uh, maybe coming up in our lineup yes. here. Yes, yeah, we're going to work our way to this one. Uh, we, you know, we've got a – this is a nice little marathon of a show. And we, we do have an hour to sit around and sample these beers. So we're, we've got it lined up right now from your lighter beers all the way to the dark stout, Kalamazoo stout. So we're, we'll, t- we'll discuss each one throughout the show. But the, the 
uh, had your beard, and then a couple weeks ago we were in Denver, which you've been distributing in Denver for a little while. Well, here's the deal. So, you know, my daughter is uh, sort of taking over uh, management of the brewery, and her and I both have some favorite beer spots that we go to in the country. So we don't really distribute in Colorado and Denver, except her and I have a deal. So she gets to send four trucks a year to Denver and distribute beer there, and I get to send four trucks a year to Portland, Oregon, and I get to distribute <laughs> beer there. So I might have to go out to, to Oregon. We just had uh, the famous uh, beer bar Belmont Station was in Kalamazoo last week brewing a beer for their 20th anniversary. So they made up a special IPA. So we both, so That's you were in compromise. Denver, you were in Denver for like the one week out of that quarter where you could find some Bell's beer. Very nice. Well, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not a battle of compromise. Like, well, we have to go to Portland four times a year, but it's business. Well, I get out there maybe once a year and, uh, you know, I, I used to date a, I used to date somebody up in Hood River. So I've been going out to the, that was a long ways from Kalamazoo, I know. Uh, but um, I've been going out there for a long time. It's a great beer scene. And it's nice, it's, it's really far away. And we are, you know, we don't have contiguous states there. So we're not ready to take it on. But it's nice to just be able to go out there, see what's going on, you know, both in Denver and Portland as being important beer cities in the United States and, and great brewing culture and, Kind of keep your finger on the pulse, what's happening there. Keep your name out there and, uh, you know, and then you get, you know, go out, go out to Oregon and play a little bit. That And then, you know, with, uh, just like everywhere else across the country, there's 100 breweries opening every single day. So you get to go out there and try new stuff as well. Yeah, you know, it, and it is, uh, well, you can't keep up. There's, there's so many things going on. I understand uh, Houston area has 47 breweries or something like that now. It's, it's grown substantially since I started doing the radio show. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. In the beginning, it was, it was very slim pickings of who was on the show. You had St. Arnold, Carbock, Eighth Wonder, Southern Star, and No Label. That was pretty much, you know, rotating through those. They're all fun to talk to. But now it's just you get such a variety of people coming on the show. And then whenever someone would come in in town from uh, out of state. But now, I mean, it just can't do enough shows to keep up with the breweries. Yeah. And it's the same thing up in Michigan. We have, I think we have north of 350 breweries in the state of Michigan now. And, you know, I've been around a long time. It, it used to be even at the national convention, I'd look around the room. I pretty much knew everybody. Now I go to the convention, the opening party, there's 13,000 people. I'm hard-pressed to, f to find, well, we're all, my group, we're all getting older. Guys are dropping out. And uh, I look around the room, it's like, hey, maybe I just want to go to a good beer bar and, and hang out there instead of <laughs> this big crowd. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, we'll take the, well, GABF that goes on. That has gotten just become a monster. I went to my first GABF in 1986. We drove the Dodge Colt out there, yeah, and uh, it was at the Holiday Inn Golden Dome. <laughs> it, it was a, a little, little bit different animal than what you got How today. How many breweries were participating at that time? I think maybe there was fifty breweries. Um, I actually have a poster from the very first uh, GABF that was officially put on by the Homebrewers Association. It's uh, a diamond-shaped thing, and it names all the breweries that were there. On the poster. Yeah, yeah, old school. 
back when you could do that. And I think what was seven hundred and fifty. I don't know, it was four thousand beers, something just absurd this year that they had out there. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, that, that it would have. That beer would have t- taken the turn that it has, which you know, I mean, as a consumer, I am glad it did. Uh, you guys have a pretty interesting story, and we'll get more into it in the next next segment. But um, uh, you know, just get into the homebrewing side of stuff because you started off as a homebrewer and opened, had a little homebrew shop. Yeah, I started homebrewing in uh, 1980. I. Uh, had been working at a bakery, you know, yeast and grains. And my dad was a home uh, winemaker when I was growing up. And um, the law had, had, had changed. Carter had signed the law. And I went out and bought a really bad kit and a really bad book, which I still have. It's called the Maltese Flagon, which, <laughs> yeah, really, come on. Um, but I, I moved into this house with three other guys uh, in January. And by March, I was bottling in the basement. And my, my one roommate he was getting his horticulture degree from Western Michigan University. He he was doing something up in the attic, and uh, we were young and wild and had some great <laughs> parties at that house. Uh, well, it sounds like he did. And then, uh, yeah, 1983, I opened up uh, the homebrew shop, and to this day, we still sell uh, homebrew supplies. We have a good business with homebrew supplies, and uh, we have an annual homebrew competition where we... Uh, we make up wort from uh, the barley we grow up on our farm in Shepherd, Michigan, and we give about uh, 210 homebrewers a free five-gallon carboy of wort, and then they make it into whatever they want. It's not a real formal homebrew contest, but we'll get out of those 200, we get about 100, 100, 140, 145 uh, people that will enter their beer into the competition, and, uh, and then the winner gets to brew at the brewery. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, we I opened up a homebrew store in 2011 here just north of Houston. With yeah, but we opened it up, started brewing beer, loved it, and decided this is going to be a great hobby. Me and a buddy, we were, yeah, it was a similar situation. Uh, you and your roommates, there was some horticulture and maybe some extra beers going around, and that's when we came with the idea to open up the homebrew store, which would ultimately lead to us opening up a brewery. But the only difference was once I started talking to people, the brewery owners, and all that they had to go through. It was kind of shocking, and I realized that it's not as much fun as it sounds. Many are called, few are chosen, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk a little Kalamazoo, Michigan. We'll talk some Bells Brewery with Larry Bell, founder Drink of Ages. Be right back. Chris from Beers Looking at You, the newest craft beer spot in Clear Lake, Webster area. If you're coming down to Galveston or stopping by NASA, check us out every day, noon to midnight. You can bring in your own grower. You can pick one up here. There are 39 taps to choose from. We're half beer store. We've got everything from Houston, Texas, and beyond. Be sure to check out our live draft list on our website, beerslookingatyou.com, or through the Digital Pour app. Hope to see you soon. Thanks. Hey, we're down here in Dickinson, Texas at a new winery and cider company, Duo, and we have the owners, Craig and Raquel, hanging out. Tell us about your company. We have over 20 varieties of wines from our family vineyard. We currently have our Rodeo Star brand hard apple, 
and cherry ciders available on draft and 16 ounce cans with more delicious varieties on the way. We are open from Wednesday to Friday from 4 to 10 p.m., Saturday from noon to 10 p.m., Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Check us now on Facebook. Venha nos visitar.
I drink of ages. We are back on, and our guest this week is Larry Bell, founder of Bell's Brewery in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And so let's talk about Kalamazoo for a little bit. Uh, what's that place like? Because the name's fantastic. Uh, Kalamazoo's been around since 1829. It's a college town. has uh, Western Michigan University and my alma mater, Kalamazoo College. Uh, it was home of the Upjohn Pharmaceutical Company, which uh, you know did a lot of building in the town, which is now Pfizer. Stryker, uh, Stryker Medical Products are there, and and Bell's Brewery. What else so, do you need? It, you know, it's a town of about seventy-five thousand. The county's about two hundred and thirty thousand. So we're exactly halfway between Detroit and Chicago, and. Um, we over-index on the arts. Bells is real involved with the arts in Kalamazoo. We have an international keyboard festival that's one of the best in the world. Um, we have unbelievable, I, I actually, my civic do-gooderness, I sit on the board of directors of the keyboard festival. I'm a big supporter of our symphony and the Arts Institute and, you know, uh, getting involved in, in some of those art things in our town. That's pretty a keyboard festival. That, that seems like something I've never heard of such a thing, and it sounds like it'd be a pretty amazing little little the, trip to go to. The uh, best penis in the world come to Kalamazoo, and every four years there's an award for. Uh, it's called the Irving Gilmore Keyboard Festival, and every four years there's uh, somebody that gets the Gilmore Award. The thing about it is they don't even know they're in the competition. It's a secret competition. I'm on the board of directors, and I'm not allowed to know who the committee is that, that travels the world looking for great piano players. And they get their award is a stipend of $250,000. So this is, this is not chump change. This is, this is a real thing. And like literally the, the best piano players, uh, uh, Gary Burton, I met him, the famous vib vibraphone player. Uh, Tony Bennett last year came to town. Um, Bell's actually sponsored a new concerto. We underwrote a new concerto by the famous composer Michel Legrand. He was actually at my house last year where he got a honorary uh, a PhD from the university. And um, so he's, he came and autographed my piano at home. And That's pretty awesome. You know, you, you watched the old Thomas Crown Affair with Steve McQueen. Yeah. He wrote the music for that, the, you know, the windmills of your mind. And, uh the, the umbrellas of Cherbourg and, you know, all this cool stuff. So, so you know, that's some of the things Bells gets involved in. So, yeah, Kalamazoo's a, a hip little town. Sounds like it. Sounds like a trip we need to make this summer when it's uh, 115 You can open degrees. that Oorsman over there? Or? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I went ahead. I was waiting because I wanted, was listening to the story because I, it's well, I'm dry. I'm dry. This is one of the best things that happened on the radio is the sound of beer opening. Oh, I like that. But this here is going to be the Oarsman L, a tart wheat L that you guys make. So let's talk about this one for a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is, a, this is a sour beer, but really light on the sour. So we have a, a reactor at work where we're, we're uh, uh, growing up a little bit of lacto to put in there. So real nice and light, 4% alcohol, uh, low hops. Uh, the balance of, to the malt sweetness is that little bit of sour we're getting from the lacto. So actually really great um, day drinking kind of beer, uh, especially for the warmer weather. And uh, just nice and light and refreshing. Uh, that little bit of sour kind of lemony 
uh, comes through. So, um, sort of a session sour, I guess, if you will. Yeah, very light and tasty. Easy drinking. Uh, I mean, really, how hot does it get up there in Kalamazoo? Because we were talking about snowfall and stuff like that before the show started, and how this has been a relatively warm winter for a lot of people. Uh, I mean, what, what are the temperatures in the summertime, June, July, get like? Oh, we get up in the into the nineties, and being uh, you know, being right in the Great Lakes, uh, you know, we got eleven thousand lakes in Michigan. It gets pretty darn humid yeah. as well. Uh, you may have it a lot longer than than we have down here, but we we get hot and humid. It's just you know, come come Labor Day, it's starting to get cold. And I think the earliest I've ever seen it snow in Kalamazoo was October fourth. So. And I've seen it snow the beginning of May. You know, up in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, where I have old family history, I can remember a Memorial Day picnic being canceled and my mom crying because of snow. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it does happen. It, it, I mean, but, you know, I think that the, in the brewing world, one of the things that's different because we're up there is um, I think – People through beer celebrate the seasons perhaps more than they. We well, got hot and not here, right? Um, but in Michigan, we really do have much more of the traditional seasons. And at Bell's, we certainly celebrate that with with seasonal beers. You know, uh, October twenty seven or October March twenty seven, we come out with our uh, summer seasonal, which is real big for us, called Oberon. And uh, that one's been shipped down to me several times for about the last, I don't know, seven years now. People have sent me Oberon. Well, Oberon opening day is like a national holiday in in Michigan. Uh, You know, I think the record at my bar is we've tapped 59 kegs on Oberon opening day. (laughs) Um, People leave work. They take the day off. Um, It's 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 really uh, it's it's Old ladies who don't drink beer go to the grocery store and buy a six-pack because they know their nephew's coming to visit in June. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Probably all part of the plan, you know, taking it back in the 80s whenever you were starting the brewery. That, you know, you, you, when you projected your growth, it was somewhere near where you ended up. Oh, no. no I don't think anybody who started <laughs> back when I did had any clue what was going to happen to us in in micro brewing we called it back then craft brewing i mean you know like i guess i'm i'm like the original nano brewery i started with a 15 gallon soup pot and plastic garbage pails for fermenters you know a little rubbermaid never hurt anybody right yeah and uh you know and and now you look uh at the size of our breweries and our distribution and here's 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 the great thing the real truth is we changed beer drinking in the united states of america it's never going to go back to what it was before we all came came on board. It has changed for the better, and no no matter who makes that beer, we've changed beer for the better here. I can definitely agree that that is the case. Um, <clears throat> so let's go back to some of the beers that we're that we have in front of us now that you guys are making. So the Oarsman L, what we're having the tart, very nice wheat L, uh, very sessionable, nice and light. Like I said it just has a little hint of tartness to it. But not like a huge wheat beer taste, which is I'm not a huge fan of wheat beer. Right, this it, one it, I can definitely yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not what we think of a, a Hefeweizen or 
you know, Oberon's our American wheat ale. That's 40% wheat. You definitely know the wheat's in there. Then the one that I opened up before this one, the Lager of the Lakes, and that's what we started the show off with, your Bohemian Pilsner, and another very nice, light, easy-drinking beer. Yeah, and, you know, I think what we're seeing is uh, a little bit of resurgence in the lagers. Bell's is probably known more for, for making ales, but um, uh, we make a handful of lagers. This is actually won a, uh, a bronze medal at the Great American Beer Festival in Bohemian Lager once. Every, there was a gasp in the room. It's like, what? Bell's doesn't make lager? Um, yeah, actually we do. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's like... <laughs> yeah, what, what, what happened right? there? Yeah. Um, you know, also, uh, I don't think we were, because of our timing coming to Texas, we also make a Doppelbach that we have out at this time of year. And in the fall, we make uh, Oktoberfest. And uh, so we do, you know, we dabble in, in making some lagers as well. The Oberon, will we get that here? Yeah, Oberon will be here March 27th. Absolutely. Uh, you know, now that Texas is is in, everything that we make will will come in its regular rotation down to Texas. So I think uh, I think next month uh, we got Mars coming down to to Texas. Um, you know, a few years ago, I'm an old classical music guy, and uh, so I know some breweries have based some beers on some rock and roll tunes and jazz. But I don't think anybody done classical. So I took the Gustav Holtz piece, The Planets. It's seven different movements and use those for inspiration for beers. And so one of the, there's a, one of them maybe didn't get good, good critical acclaim. A couple were okay and a couple were outstanding. And one of those was Mars, which was sort of a, a red double IPA. You know, it, the planet's yeah, red. red planet, yeah, yeah, and Mars is the bringer of war. You know, light your brain on fire with hops. So we're actually going to bring that one back uh, kind of as a seasonal rotation here in, in April. Yeah. Um, yeah, be looking forward to that one because that is a style that I, I like a whole lot. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we just met, you know, Hop Slam, which is our, our double IPA. We, we just missed Hop Slam season, but that comes around in January. So come January 1 next year, we'll have Hop Slam down here in Texas. Which is another fantastic beer you guys make. Slam hey, is an integral na- part of the name. Yeah, Hop Slam is, is one that when I see that one on tap one on places, that is the beer that I first will get. Because it's, it's like I said, it doesn't, you don't see that very often. And but, you know, we made, we made uh, I don't know, I think almost 13,000 barrels of that this year of double IPA. It's a lot of hops. That's a lot of hops. It's a lot of hops. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, come back, and we'll sample some more of these beers, talk more beer, and learn more about Bill's Brewery with Larry Bill. Thank you very much. If you'd like to market your business to the craft beer community, please contact Drink of Ages at 832-617-0201. That's 832-617-0201. Or messages at facebook.com slash drinkofages. Find us on Twitter at hashtag drinkofages. And get all contact and podcast info at drinkofages.com. 
Whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts, and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple suppliers for your branded merchandise? Keep it local like we do. Let the badasses at Cast Branding, the official merchandise sponsor of Drink of Ages, kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch. Give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out at castbranding.com. Drink of Ages, we're back, and our guest this week is from Bell's Brewery, uh, now distributing in Texas. You find their beers all over town. They're all this week, next week, a lot of events going on. We have Larry Bell, the founder. And so, so when you guys opened up in the 80s, I mean, what, what was your first brew house? So I had a 15-gallon soup pot and eight plastic garbage pails for fermenters. Quickly got into a three-vessel one barrel system that were all old institutional soup pots and we used that for five years last year we made a thousand barrels of beer one one barrel at a time it's all hand transferred um you know and then we i started picking up some used stainless tanks we were talking about upjohn pharmaceutical so probably old tanks that they made steroids in honestly um that we could get like 12 barrels in that i was picking up cheap um and then I remember, like, 1990, w- one of my buddies in Chicago lent me $2,750, and I got a two-barrel uh, expansion. Big, I got yes. a, a really big soup pot. Yep. And then uh, and then we were able to finally get uh, – I still couldn't get money from a bank, but I was able to loan 90, borrow $90,000 from some guys in Chicago that I paid 23% interest on. <laughs> Uh, the mafia? <laughs> I, mean, exactly? I still have all my toes and <laughs> yeah, my knees, uh, and I paid them off. Paid they, them wa- off. they wanted a $250,000 life insurance policy on me for a $90,000 loan. Wait, no, 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 no. Um, but we, we got a 15-barrel system that was an old – it was actually um, uh, made by Charlottetown Metal Products, which was the precursor to DME, who still makes brewing equipment today, made up in uh, Prince Edward Island. And then we bought from DME, then we bought one of their first 30-barrel systems. And then when we built the new brewery, uh, uh, now that's out in Comstock, we wound up buying a 50-barrel system secretly from Anheuser. So that that brewing system was the first Steinecker system in the States. And AB called it the Los Angeles Brewing Company, but everybody knew it as Eureka. It was, they had uh, Wolfgang Puck. Uh, yeah, and his yeah, wife his, out in his Cal- brewery that he had for a short period of and time. It, yeah, well, there were the riots in South Central, and they pulled the plug on it. It only ever made 4,000 barrels of bur- beer, and AB put it away. And they tried to use it uh, to entice some people to, to sell to them and whatnot, and they finally decided to sell it. We didn't know if they would sell it to us if they knew. So I hired a consultant who hired a broker who did the deal. They, 
They might have thought it was going to Europe. Uh, <laughs> but um, we installed that as a, as a three-vessel system and then wound up turning it into a seven-vessel system. So the last year that we had that, we made 180,000 barrels of beer with a 50-barrel system. Uh, if we were just making Oberon, we could drop 16 brews a day. It's like the most efficient brewing system I've ever seen. That's a lot of that's a lot of brewing, you know. And then today we still have the 50 barrel system, and now we have a new 200 uh, barrel uh, Hoopman system. So, uh, so we got a 200, a 50, and then we still operate a an old 15 barrel system at our original brewery. How many barrels did you brew this last year? We did. Uh, we sold 421,000 barrels Jeez. of beer last year. So. Congratulations. Thank you. That's pretty spectacular. Thank you. That's so a lot. I think uh, size-wise in the country makes us number 12 out of 5,000-plus breweries. Yeah. So, But yeah. We've, we've been doing it a while. Hey, you're, doing, you're, doing, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Good growth. So the beer that we're having here, this, this Bell's Amber Ale, this is actually the beer that built the brewery, if you will, back in the late 80s and early 90s. I mean, this was, you know, this was sort of – like the English imported stuff, and this was cutting edge. It's still one of my favorite beers that we make, and it's still number three in our portfolio. You know, Oberon, I think we came out within, it was called Soul Sun back in the day. We came out within 9091. Whoever knew that cloudy wheat beer, that Americans would like cloudy wheat beer, and for years that was our number one, and then IPA came along. We didn't even know kind of what we were doing when we started dry hopping this 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 beer back in the day and then IPA became number one so but there's still a soft spot in my heart for amber ale super food friendly beer you know life can't be all IPA all the time and sometimes it's you know yeah, you it, need a little bit of maltiness in there you know a little hot bite you know at Bell's we've kind of always been about balance uh you know even like with too hard IPA it's still what a lot of people consider to be a very balanced IPA. And, you know, we've always been about making all malt beers and not, not putting sugar in the beers. You know, those, those people that like really dry IPAs or double IPAs are drinking beers that are made with sugar. Yeah. And that's never been my thing. So the Amber Ale, this is a very nice beer. And like I said, this just makes me want to reach over and grab some of Muskratch's crack that he has over here. It's peanut butter-filled pretzels. It doesn't do good radio. That's the only crunching on the radio. doesn't come across I might as have a little well. trouble talking then, too. Yeah. yeah. Those <laughs> things are they're, they're really good. Between that and the Thin Mints that we had, the Girl Scout cookies, those, are, those would go great with this. But, yeah, it's just a very nice, like I said, uh, so far we've had the, the Tart Weedo. We've done the lager, Bohemian Pilsner, and then the Amber Elves. So we're working our way up to the bigger beers, eventually going to hit that Kalamazoo Stout. So the Oatsmobile, Oatsmobile L, Session at Pell L, brewed with oats. Yeah, so, you know, uh, we're looking for something a little bit more sessionable, you know, too hard 7% alcohol, and I love it, but sometimes... Uh, Life doesn't allow me to sit, sit around drinking 7% beer all day long. So we wanted to make something that had a nice, uh, bright, hoppy flavor, uh, but lower alcohol, but still had some body. So we're using some oats in it. Originally, it was on our, our board at the, at the Eccentric Cafe as Super Sexy Oat Ale. And um, anyways, uh, you know, we're from Michigan, so Oatsmobile kind of was a funny thing, and uh, we... 
horses horses are kind of oats mobiles right they run on oats they run on oats yes. yeah so yeah low low alcohol but a nice nice hot profile and uh those oats uh, coat your tongue a little bit so i mean you know one, one thing with some of the session beers they get so light you forget you're drinking beer um you know and they're making them with god forbid there are people making beer with corn uh that know, is happening yes yeah and that's again that's not my thing so uh so yeah we got some oats in there and what is the abv on this one sorry i'm swallowing there you got <laughs> me the wrong time uh that's 4.3 percent alcohol four good like I said, this one, though, you feel like you are drinking something, though. I mean, it definitely has a good, nice little body to it. Yeah, you know, just because it's lower alcohol doesn't mean that, that it has to be lower on taste. You know, we're trying to pack as much taste as we can into a lower ABV beer. That is nice. <clears throat> yeah, nice nice hop aroma there. You know, we're really using some of the hops there uh, on the back end. Uh, we're using some mosaic in there. You know, we were using Mosaic back when it was called 369. Uh, we have a really good relationship with the hop growers, and we're always getting experimental hops in and, and trying out new things. So um, we're kind of using the Oatsmobile to feature the Mosaic in. How often are you guys putting experimental beers on the, at the tap room? Uh, all the time. Um, so when what happened was when InBev uh, bought out AB, one of the first things they did is they fired AB's malt and hop guys. And AB always did a great job of keeping the quality up uh, for hops up in the Northwest. InBev said, we already got a guy that does that in Belgium. And some of us craft brewers were worried about what was going to happen with quality. And so we banded together and we formed uh, what's called our hop quality group. We were one of the founding members. And... We only let a couple new breweries in each year. They have to be voted on upon the membership. And then we hired the former employee of Anheuser-Busch to be our consultant. And um, so uh, that started developing some really great relationships, not only for ourselves, but for the other craft, you know, bigger craft breweries in the country, uh, to go out and talk to the farmers and tell them how interested we are in the quality of hops, how interested we are in aroma hops and the development of new aroma hops. It's not just all about alpha. Uh, and, that you know, hey, we're willing to pay you a fair price for your hops. We don't want to nickel and dime you. Just grow some more hops for us, please. Get some more variety. Yeah. Well, and just enough of quantity. Enough yeah, you know, a few years ago when, you know, there was really a crunch on hops, which we, we're over that now. It's just, listen, if you grow them, we will buy, right? Grow those hops for us. Well, now <clears throat> there's a lot of other regions around the world that are growing hops, and New Zealand has come out with a bunch of different style hops. And you know, the thing with New Zealand is it's really small what they have. Australia is starting to look at at some more acreage, but you know, last year they had said they were going to plant 4,000 new acres up in the northwest. They wound up planting, I think, probably 7,000 acres. There's a lot of hops out there uh, right now. And, I, you know, really, I think America is in the forefront of hops uh, uh, agronomically with our, our growing practices compared to some of the European brethren. I think we're head and shoulders uh, quality-wise, for the most part, uh, what we're doing here in the States. My good friend of mine, his family's from Eugene, Oregon. 
and there's a great picture, like the history of Oregon beer in a book, and there's a picture of his grandma when she's a teenager working the hop farms, and that had to have been the early, early 1900s. W- were they Native American? No. No, she okay. wasn't. Because, yep. you know, I know up, I've got some old photographs. Um, they actually employed a lot of Native Americans in hop picking uh, back in the days yeah. as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, let's take another break. We come back. We're going to wrap up Drink of Ages, unfortunately, but we have, I think, four more beers to go through this next segment. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll start focusing on some beer a little bit. Drink of Ages. Be right back. Hey, good beer drinkers. This is Garrison, the head brewer of Spindletap. If you're digging IPAs these days, you should definitely try our new West Coast style IPA Hop Gusher. You're going to get a lot of dank tropical notes from the excessive amounts of Amarillo, Citra, and Mosaic. We just started canning it last week, so come pick it up fresh from our brewery at 10622 Hirsch Road. You can also get it freshly poured at Drink of Ages Pub. Also, look for it at your nearest grocery store soon. Check us out at spindletapbrewery.com. Drink of Ages, we are still hanging out here at Drink of Ages Pub, talking with Larry Bell, founder of Bell's Brewery, and now we have reached to Am I Right or Amarillo, and a very special beer that you guys made just for the tex- for Texas and the Texas release. Uh, let's talk about this one for a little bit. Yeah, you know, it is a big deal for us to come to Texas, and um, I thought it'd be fun uh, to do a special Texas beer, so I'm a fan of the old western swing band Asleep at the Wheel. And they got a song called Am I Right or Amarillo? And, of course, there's the Amarillo hop. And it's like this was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. So uh, to celebrate our entry into Texas, we decided to make a 1,000 barrels of, uh, of this single hop IPA. And um, we actually have uh, the band is playing a show, private show for us in Dallas on, on Friday night. And kind of our, our launch week, all our people are getting together and, and uh, do a little. That's going to be a, a sleep at the wheel is a fantastic band. Yeah, they played at the brewery before. Ray Benson's been up uh, before and played up there. So, you know, listen, it, it is work, but you know, the beer business is also a lot of fun. And you know, we look for some excuses to have fun. And uh, I get an excuse to wear wear my western clothes, get out my JB Hill <laughs> boots, my shark skin boots I had made down here wow. many years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, probably going to have to, the wife's probably going to make me try and two-step, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not too hard. It's been a long time since I two-step, but it's like just one, two, one, one, two, just if I can keep those numbers in my head, two-step is not that bad. But yeah, this is just, you know, this is this beer was made just to showcase the Amarillo hop, and the label kind of embodies what happens in the song. You know, he says, I love you, but I can always go back home. I guess that's Amarillo in the in the background in the distance uh uh-huh she's kind of wondering if you know is he gonna come back or is he really leaving so that's a great beer this is this is very nice and just using just amarillo in it like you said that profile comes it it punches you right in the mouth i mean it's not overly hot they're super bitter but just those that amarillo flavor yeah you know i i don't think uh hoppiness has to be about bitterness you know it's a lot about how do we extract really good flavors out of the hop? 
and then also how do we coordinate those flavors with our yeast as well and kind of make those two things mesh together you know we're looking to make same thing with the two-hearted here with the yeast and the hops we're trying to make an equation of one plus one equals three well let's go ahead and open up this two-hearted l because this is one that's always like i said going down to florida ran across it there quite a bit and then this last time we were in colorado a few weeks a few weeks ago uh, i started off over at fallen rock started off with some two-hearted l and then they did the plenty the younger release and went to went to that one but yeah it's so just a great beer so two hearted's our number one seller 100 percent centennial bills is in fact the single largest purchaser of centennial hops in the world and um, so we get, excuse me, we get great quality of hops cause, because of how much that we buy. And again, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Bell's, our house ale yeast and how it mixes with Centennial it goes really great. Because our house ale yeast tends to be, on its own, tends to be a little bit citrusy, which I think comes through really, really well on both the Two-Hearted and, and Oberon. And so you get this great Centennial hop that has some citrus qualities. And, you know, we play around with the fermentation schedule a little bit. So when you put your nose into this, your, your brain's kind of telling you that all that citrus, grapefruity stuff is coming from hops. Yeah, well, maybe we're doing some stuff to get the best out of the yeast as well. And, and, but those flavors meld together really well. And, and again, I think it's the... It's like Hegelian dialectics, you know, where we're synthesizing something to, as we try and reach towards God, right? Well, Two Hearted L is definitely getting close because it's it's a. Uh, actually, I was reading a story about this one, and uh, and I know I'm probably going to not tell it quite right, but it was uh, you brewed this beer for Michigan. Well, origi- sort of originally, this beer was a different product altogether. It was. The two hearts, if you will, were English malt and Wisconsin hops back in the 80s, you know. When you were very limited on what you were putting um, in the beers. And it didn't really work out and it got shelved. And then one of my brewers, a guy named by, by the name of Rob Scala, God rest his soul, uh, wanted to get into this. And this, this was actually his recipe. So back in 1993, we started making this IPA. And, um, you know... 24 years later, it's a, the number one uh, number one beer in our portfolio. But again, you know, very balanced. Uh, and, um, you know, those of us in the heartland of the country, we like malt. And we like having some balance to the beer. That's, You know, it's not just about the hops. No, but you definitely get a nice little hop presence in it. You know you're drinking an IPA. Yeah, it's about 58 bitterness units. And, um, you know, if you're going to s- sit down and... Well, that and and also, you know, that's as weird as today. IPA standards have just gotten just overboard with bitterness and overly hopped and overly dry hopped. And uh, I mean, this is just a good, it's a centennial. You know, know, I made one this year called Larry's Stupid Quadruped, 15% (laughs) alcohol and 120 bitterness units checked on the spectrophotometer. Yeah. We also made a citrus version in case you didn't get enough heartburn from the first needed one. needed a little bit more. <laughs> wow. How well did that one do? I'm sure it was pretty. Oh, you can look it up on Beer Advocate, you know. Yeah. We, we had it at the beer festival in Madison. It's like, okay, if you want something really bitter, here you go. <laughs> Just for you guys. Yeah. 
We can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next beer we have going down is your porter. So, you know, taking it like, back to some seasons. So it's yeah, porter although is darker beer. Some people like those when the colder temperatures. They do. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, if you hung out at, at my bar, you'd find a lot of my brewers coming in for their shifty in the summertime drinking a nice cold porter. And, you know, it's uh, it, in the summertime, cold porter, it, it's not like stout so much where it's not so thick that you can't drink it cold and enjoy it. And, uh, I, you know, I think this is kind of beer that's uh, could match up really well with your with y'all's with y'all's mm. Texas barbecue down here. I think that's a great idea for when the show's over with is some some good Texas barbecue. I had a little for lunch. I was over to this place uh, called the Pit Room, and uh, Pit Room uh, does a good job. Had a little brisket for lunch over there. Well, that is a nice porter. This uh, I forget what year it was. We won the uh, world. We won the gold medal at the World Beer Cup one year for for robust porter with this, um, and. Um, yeah, this has been in our portfolio since I think 1987. What is, so is the it, oldest so beer in your portfolio? Is it the Amber? Yeah, the Amber Ale, which originally was uh, both the Porter and the Amber Ale originally had the moniker Great Lakes. So before there was Great Lakes Brewing Company, we actually had yeah Great Lakes Porter, Great Lakes Amber Ale. First beer we made was actually just called Bell's Beer, and then eventually it, people just called all the beers that we had bells and um we dropped the great lakes there and taken over by famous brewery in cleveland yeah which happens to be producer muskratch's favorite brewery that when we were at gabf i think you circled back by there about 25 times uh, i mr mr producer i i do have to tell you i was in cleveland in early november um your fans were very nice though we had a nice time with the with the fans, and Progressive Field is a great account. They sell two-hearted in 20-ounce cups. Oh, it's boy. It's a good size for some two-hearted. Oh, man. I had a lot of fun at the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the last one on the list that we have that's here in Texas is the Kalamazoo Stout. Yeah, and, you know, Bells at Bells we make a lot of stouts. Kalamazoo Stout is our, our year-round stout. Again, we've been making this since the late 80s. Um, for us, uh, in the wintertime, in the fall, is really stout season. And if you look on the, uh, the Catholic calendar, the first Sunday in November is All Saints Sunday. But at Bell's, it's All Stout Sunday. And I think our record is we've had on tap at the bar 22 different stouts that we've brewed. <laughs> so Kalamazoo Stout's our year-round stout. You know, other big stouts we make are our Bell's Special Double Cream Stout. Expedition Stout is America's oldest imperial stout. Uh, really, the first imperial stout uh, craft brewed in America. Um, we make a cherry stout that's like, I still have two bottles left of the original batch of cherry stout. It was called Great Lakes. Great Lakes Cherry Stout in Champagne 375s. Wow. I'm going to, I think I'm going to drink one this summer with the kids. And then next year, it'll be the 30th anniversary of that brew. I think we're going to have a competition. Somebody can come drink the last one with me. I don't know. We're talking about that. Sign me up. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we make sweet potato stout and oatmeal stout and rye stout. And 
you know, uh, uh, Java stout and uh, barrel aged stouts. Uh, oh, we got barrel aged stouts. Yeah. You know, we our black note is is a blend of the Expedition and the Double Cream uh, in bourbon barrels. We work with a, a whiskey company up in Traverse City, so we'll we'll age. Uh, we have a we have a second imperial style called Bear Hug. And, you know, that'll go into bourbon barrels or Travis City whiskey barrels. So, yeah, we have a lot of fun with stout. Well, appreciate you coming and hanging out. Welcome to Texas. Welcome to Houston. Hope you guys have a good time the rest of the weekend. I know you have a busy schedule ahead of you. Yeah, up to Austin tomorrow and on to Dallas. So, uh, yeah, they're taking me all over the place. So, so far, first, first trip to Houston, it's looking pretty good. And I'm sure, I mean, it's probably pretty amazing to see just the growth of the industry over the last 30 years and where it is now and, and just 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 knowing what, what like you've stuck to your guns with these beers and they, they continue to prove to be successful. Well, I tell you what, you get on an airplane and you fly so far away from home and you walk into a bar in downtown Houston and there's your beer on tap. It gives you kind of a, w a warm, fuzzy feeling. It, it feels really good. That is nice. All right, well, bellsbrewery.com. Bell's Beer. Bellsbeer.com. Uh, you can find events. You can find uh, our beer finder. You can type in uh, zip code, find accounts that, that sell the beer, get information about, about the brewery and, and all the brands, and uh, find out what, uh, what great bands might be coming to play up at our place. So, Yeah, and then we'll be up there this summer. Road I trip. think it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Larry Bell, thanks again for coming and hanging out. Thanks for um, having me. Yeah, welcome, welcome, and congratulations. All right, we're going to wrap the show up. And, yeah, well, thank everybody for tuning in. You can listen to the old show sponsored by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company on iTunes. You can go to drinkofages.com and listen to them. And everybody have a safe weekend. Next week we will be on the Flogging Molly Cruise, so hopefully we get a nice little show with them and no effects. Looking for some, hopefully getting enough material that can be edited and air on the show on ESPN. So everybody have a safe weekend. Uh, go Rockets. Talk to everybody next week.